Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman. I am mom to Skylar, who is an incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast four years ago was that the content of each episode bring hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life, underscore Lori Hellman, and let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, could I ask a favor that you please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to Season 4 of Living the Sky Life. This episode is being brought to you by Mia Via Toys, a brand dedicated to creating toys and learning aids for kids with autism, special needs, and other developmental challenges. I have a handful of Mia Via Toys that Skylar truly loves. Our newest addition is Baby Squiggly, the Little Octopus, and also the Domino Wall. They are really amazing products, and I highly encourage you to check them out. You can go to miaviatoys.com, that's M-E-A-V-I-A-T-O-Y-S.com, and use promo code SKYLIFE15 to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-K-Y-L-I-F-E-1-5. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is Adrian Wood. Adrian is a rural Eastern North Carolina mother of four, and her son Amos, who is nine years old, has extra special needs. Adrian is a past preschool teacher, nanny, children's ski instructor, early interventionist, college professor, early childhood researcher, wife, and full-time mom. In writing after a 20-year hiatus, she offers personal glimpses where satire meets truth, faith meets irony, despair meets joy, and this educated debutante escapes the laundry and finds true meaning in graceful transparency. You can connect with Adrienne if you aren't already following her pages on both Facebook and Instagram at Tales of an Educated Debutante. So welcome back to Living the Sky Life. Um, I'm so excited to have my friend, my new friend, Adrian Wood from Tales of an Educated Debutante on today as my guest. So welcome, Adrian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I I just, I adore you so much. And it was, you know, it's one of those things like, I felt like I knew you already. I'm sure a lot of people feel that way with people they see online all the time. Um, but actually getting to meet you in Minnesota several weeks ago at the women's uh, retreat or the mom's retreat. It was so awesome. You're exactly what I would have expected. <laughs> you are the oh. same person that you are online as you are in person. You're very funny and very honest and open about everything. <laughs> so <laughs> it was great meeting you. There's what I did. I, well, you were in my top three favorite people that I got to meet that weekend. Aww, so thanks. <laughs> that is, that is not a lie. It was really fun. And, um, Oh, what a, just a great experience that was. It was, it was really nice to hear so many stories and talk to so many moms. And it was cool too, because all of the parents, I asked Kate ahead of time, like, what were the age groups of the children of the parents that were going to be there? And it was such a mixed bag. I kind of thought it would be like seven and under, maybe a lot of little kids parents, right. but um, there was quite a few with adults that were trickled in. And I really appreciated talking to them because- 
you know, that's kind of the stage I'm in. So. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's nice um, to access to people that are, you know, maybe not walking the same journey, but at least can at least know what hemisphere you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, so I guess let's just start with, I doubt there's a lot of people who don't know who you are, but just in case, can you share a little bit about um, your family and the toddler years that you had with your older kids versus Amos? I'm always curious when people have, Skylar's my firstborn, so something was off from the very beginning of my parenting journey with him, but to have other kids and then Amos's, you know, toddler years and developmental years. And if you knew kind of early on that he was just different in his development than your, your other children. Yeah. Yeah. So how long do we have for this conversation? No, I'm just um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I always say before Amos, I was like this perfect parent, you know, I mean, I was, really pat myself on the back. I had three typical kids and three typical kids in three years. And, you know, they slept in their own beds and they, they didn't dump out toys and they didn't run away. And they all spoke in sentences by the time they were 18 months. Um, and I just really thought I was doing a wonderful job. Now, the background of that is my major was child development. I had a master's in early intervention and a PhD in educational research um, and policy with a specialty in early childhood development. So there's a little bit of reason why I thought I was such a good parent, right? Like this is my area of study. You know, I was the orthodontist of parenting. Um, and then when Amos showed up four years after my third, I, I knew at 10 days old, something was different about him. Um, really? You know, which is... Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when it's not to discredit people that say, well, the autism showed up at two years old, but I think a lot of times families don't really know what they're looking for, you know, mm -hmm. and I had that educational background and I had had three chances prior. And so with him, he didn't smile at me or look, look for my eyes. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying, um, he's not smiling. Well, you know, of course it's like, well, they don't have to smile till they're six weeks and on and on and on. But I do think the mother's instinct one is really strong. And I think that's an area of child development and early intervention that we don't even know what to do with yet. Because what do you do at 10 mm -hmm. days old? Your baby is different, you know? Um, and so I knew from then, but it wasn't until he was about 10 months old that I finally insisted um, with my pediatrician that I wanted a referral for early intervention. Now, my my first three children, particularly my oldest one, we were they were all slow gross motor development. I was slow in gross motor development. You know, development has a lot to do with genetics and your mm -hmm. your parents. So I walked at 18 months. So when my oldest son was kind of following that trajectory um, and we had a different pediatrician at that time, she had said, you know, I think he needs to go to early intervention. And I said, no, he doesn't because I was an early interventionist. I know exactly what they're going to do. He's everything else is following along. And I was right. You know, he did. He just was slower in that area. But with Amos, it was everything. Um, and it just it felt it felt like something wasn't right. And so I made that first referral, or I guess I made the pediatrician make it. And 
the early interventionists came to the house. And I think I shared this in my speech at the weekend in Minnesota, the mom's retreat. But I had him lying on a blanket. He was probably almost 11 months old at that point. And the OT came in and the speech therapist and the coordinator. And he was laying there and she said, what can he do? And then I guess <laughs> my face sort of looked confused. And she said, is that all he can do? Mm, yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, and it was not at all malintentioned you know it was it was just I think she was surprised but here was someone echoing what my heart had been saying there's Mm -hmm. something not right here you know Um, because I had seen it before but it's funny you even though I had seen it before I still think we lean on the professionals to guide us you know and so if I had to hold him up in a tidal pool while his friend is holding a plum eating it and I'm feeding him baby food I could still think, oh, well, he's the youngest. I mean, I think we still naturally want to protect our young, you know, Mm -hmm. it must absolutely very primal urge of like, this is our baby, right? So we're going to do everything we can for our baby. But in hindsight, I don't know what else I could have done. I mean, I did try, but, um, but I knew, I knew something was different. Did he have trouble um, eating too with Skylar's was different because as I I talk about all the time, he had such low muscle tone that it was like the six month checkup at the pediatrician. And I mean, he was literally just hanging, flopping, drooling all the time. And it, he couldn't eat, he couldn't nurse, but he also couldn't take bottles at all. He just didn't have the muscle tone in his face. That's the part that they missed. I feel like they were so focused on him being able to sit up without having a boppy pillow around him. Or, you know, like you said, something I had to hold him. They didn't think about his facial muscles also being extremely low tone and delayed. And so the food issue was a very traumatic thing for us because he was just losing weight all the time and obviously uh-huh. very upset because he was hungry. But right. I just wondered if if people who have gross motor you know, delay or, or, you know, need some therapy in that way, if they ever worked on the face or if he had trouble eating, did, did Amos? He, he did Lori, but it's funny. So when the speech therapist came, the first thing she did was had me nurse him. And she pointed out that he had a terrible latch, mm-hmm. but, you know, but I had breastfed three children before. So obviously that my milk was like a, you know, the zip mark. geyser. Yeah. The Coca-Cola <laughs> yeah. very little to get milk from me. Uh-huh. So, so I could see that with the first child that could have been really, he didn't need a strong suck. Gotcha. But he, um, we did, we really thought, and we're still not, I'm not convinced that there might not be a palate issue and that he had a posterior tongue release done. So basically we realized later on his tongue was almost like concrete in his mouth. So if, when we started food at 10 months and you'd give him a Cheerio, he might have one or two and then he would vomit. And so his tongue was not able to move food around in his mouth. And so we think about eyes being in the front of your tongue. This is when your whole tongue is down. Um, And, you know, again, that's something that, how do you know about, I, I just happened yeah. to have, a, uh, saw a woman named Lori Overland, who is a pretty big 
oral motor specialist and she checked for it. Um, and so we had that and that did help. But that's where we thought the speech delay was. We thought, oh, it, it was the tongue, you know. And so then that helped with the eating. Suddenly he was able to eat and not vomit. He still he still avoids mushy food, oatmeal, mac and cheese, things like that. Um, I think because of that, he, there was so much vomiting um, when he ate, but huh. but it didn't bring the speech on. That's interesting. Is it because the tongue is a muscle and it was like just weighing that heavily on him or something? I've never it, heard of that. Your tongue is a muscle, but if your tongue is just basically super glued in the bottom of your mouth, you know, when you eat something, your tongue is what's moving the food. So if you mm -hmm. can't move, put your tongue down and try to talk. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. right. And so the same thing with food. Um, I just think it's, it's just not picked up. And that's another thing. How do we make sure that families have access to, to these kind of diagnoses and making sure we did a good year of speech therapy before we realized that, you mm -hmm. know, our, our speech therapist who was wonderful she didn't know to look for that. It wasn't until we kind of saw the specialized person that said, whoa, 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 I think we've got a problem. You're right, because, you know, it's interesting. We all think with the low tone and um, developmental delays and all of that, we're sent to seek an autism diagnosis. And that's kind of the blanket for everything. It's like, oh, they're on the spectrum. His tongue has nothing to do with autism. Like that's not a piece of autism, just like Skylar's Crohn's has nothing to do with autism. But everybody says, oh, you know, the low muscle tone in the face, that that's autism. And it's just developmental delay. And, you know, Skylar's stuff, they're like, all kids have GI that are on the spectrum. They have disorders with their stomach and their digestion and all of that. That's normal. It's a gut bug. And <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh. And one more person tells me that everything that's off with my son is aut autism related. I'm like, Right. 20 years of that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The autism to me is very little of who Amos is. I mean, yeah. autism is probably my very favorite part of him. I mean, it makes him funny and interesting. He's quirky. <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, he's funny. And, but the other things with him, these midline defects. So I think now aren't they saying that like 35% of autism they're linking, they know it's genetic. And so, um, Amos does have a pretty rare genetic disorder that because I was like, there's just no way all these, his eyes turned out. He had hypospadias, wide space nipples. Tyler had hypospadias. Mm, so that's a midline defect. Um, that's interesting. Those are all these midline defects. And so we, I knew I was like, there has to be something behind this. And so yeah. genetic. That's, I've never heard the midline comment before. Now, did Amos need any surgical intervention or anything with his hypospadias or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he had surgery when he was about one with hypospadias. But he, so if anybody doesn't know, hypospadias is when your penis basically just doesn't curve all the way around. So your urine, um, his urine didn't come out of the end of his penis. It kind of came out of the middle. And, and also can't your urethra be crooked? Like, like he wouldn't pee straight, even if it did come out where it was supposed to, uh, right? Isn't it? But I don't, do you do surgery for that? I don't know. I don't think so. Skylar didn't need it. His was mild, oh. um, but he was born. Um, one of the other effects of that is that he was born semi-circumcised. Um, so we didn't have to make that decision because 
I, I think oh. that's one of the things they said from it is that he, <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, Amos had it, but he, he has a leak, which is not terribly uncommon. And so we, we went back about a year ago and he said, let's wait. But he, when he goes that stream, there is a kind of a steady drop. Oh, I know. So, but ugh, I dread doing that surgery again. So anyway, we're just kind of waiting. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that these are the things that really never come up when we have autism conversations or whatever. It's just, it's mind blowing to me that is that, do they consider that like a genetic component too? The uh, Skylar also had um, at birth, they noticed he had hypospadias. He had a horseshoe kidney. Mm -hmm. So his kidneys are connected and I'm like, okay. And I just keep saying, okay, to them, like, oh, does, right. so what does that mean? They're like, nothing really. I mean, it's just something to monitor or whatever. And uh, you don't have to do surgery for his hypospadias and, you know, his kidneys should function properly. They're just connected or, and I'm just like, okay, how does all this happen? You so know, does, do, have you looked into genetic testing with him? We did do that at two, I think, before he got his autism diagnosis. I mean, they looked at Prater, Willi or Willie. Um, they looked at every single thing possible, Pika or Pika, however you say all these things. But right. um, yeah, they looked at tons of things because they just noted oddities like his um his pinkies are short, like his joints are short. His second toe is shorter than all of his other toes, which is, is kind of odd. Just little mm -hmm. things like that, that they pointed out that I didn't even notice um, right. on my baby, but um, it didn't amount to anything. I'd like to maybe have it redone now that he's old. You do. So every three years, the genetic landscape totally changes of what can be done. So how old oh, is wow. Scott? He's 20. So We're way overdue. <laughs> It's changed in time. So Amos had it. So you probably had a micro array. array. That's kind of the basic. And then after that, you do whole exome sequencing. Um, and then there's whole genome sequencing. So we, we did um, whole exome sequencing, got nothing. And three years later, when they ran it again, it popped up. So it's, it's pretty big. And the whole exome sequencing, um, basically microarray is like looking to see if your book is in place, right? You have a book and you're like, oh, I'm trying to find a book. How's my book look? It's good. So then you get into whole exome sequencing and you're looking to make sure your chapters are right. Well, whole, whole genome sequencing is you're looking to see if the bottom of the G on your letter in the chapter is right. So it's really, it's just a digging and digging and digging. And we got ours paid for through um, a grant, like a, I guess a research grant at Duke Genetics. So those are very common. But then I think our insurance paid for the whole XM sequencing um, huh. initially. But but I would say like they tested my other children, myself, my husband, my mom's brothers. So they once they found something they thought looked funny, they tested my mom's brothers and then realized one of her brothers had it too. So it couldn't be, that couldn't explain Amos's issues. So super interesting. Um and I think the medical diagnosis, Lori, is is helpful in my mind for services and just to know for your family, you know, so that I could talk to my other children about like, this is something that might run in our family, you know, just not yeah. to form judgment, but I just like information. I like to know, I know. things. Yeah. Um, me, me. So what is his other diagnoses? Does he have an, another so, official diagnosis? So it, 
it's called MSL2 is the, and they're doing another round of testing. There's about nine kids with it in the world that basically this researcher out of Canada figured out that I've seen these nine variations and these children are very similar. So it's kind of a brand new, there's a child in Russia um, that's about nine years old, well, 11 now. And then there's another child in Portland, Oregon, who is about four. Um, so those are the, the only two that I know. And I've actually, the mom in Portland and I have messaged back and forth a little bit. Just to me, like if I could say to her, check for the posterior tongue tie, you know, just some things that were hard for us to learn. I'd like for mm -hmm. somebody else struggle. Like we know a lot about Down syndrome. You know, we know when yep. you have a baby syndrome, we know pretty much all the things to do, right? Because there's been a lot of kids with it and that's helpful um, for other people. What is his presentation of um, in that? What, it, what makes that diagnosis different than some of his, you know, other traits from the spectrum? Do you know, well, is the tongue related to that? Not yeah. anything the else? Mid midline defects. Okay. But, I got you. Um, um, autism is, seems to be right there with everything else in that genetic diagnosis. I mean, all the mm -hmm. children have that, um, the, the, they had thought he had one and there were about 50 people with that. And then they realized that, that, that wasn't it. And like, in that case, it was all men where this one is boys and girls. Um, and then none of them would ever have children. So, you know, when people are saying stuff to you, like, well, you don't know how they're going to do. I would just rather know they all lived in supported living situations, you know, like mm -hmm. I just, I don't need to fill my mind up with these like pipe dreams. And it doesn't mean I don't have grand hope and dreams for him, but mm -hmm. I also, I like to be in the real. I mean, I think it's just, I am not ever going to have a private jet. You know, I tell my children this, like, this is not, Never know. <laughs> you know, well, daddy and I have not picked the lifestyle that would that would do that. We're not Kobe Bryant, you know, we're not a Kardashian, like that's not happening. And that's okay. Like that doesn't need to be the pinnacle for us. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yep. okay. I think the same for our kids. Like it's, you're not lesser just because you, you don't do all these things that we think of as successful. Yeah. I just want them to have more than I had, you know, like I want Kendall to go to college and not worry about paying for it, which she's going to now. And, um, right. I had to pay for all of mine. So my, my success is making sure that I can afford to pay for hers. And so I'm happy with that. <laughs> and that's funny. I think you're, you're one generation behind me because so that was my dad's generation, right? Like he wanted to do that for us. And so then we had that. And then they say after the third generation, so that's never been a dream I had for my children, right? Because I just assumed that that's what you had. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, but I might be eating ramen noodles for the rest of my adult life, but <laughs> just kidding. Right, right. Well, but I think it, but I do hear a lot about my dad, like he washed dishes for his meals, you know, and that, mm -hmm. that has stuck with me, but yeah. you're, you obviously learned a lot from that experience. That's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, kind of moving to your blog. So your, uh, tales of an educated debutante blog was started. Um, what was that like eight years ago, I guess, you know, I think it, I think it was about eight year, almost, I think it's seven and a half maybe right now. Cause is Amos nine or almost nine eight, or 
I think I started it in 2016. Okay. I think. So for me, <clears throat> I need to check. So why did you start that? I know Kate told all of us and has always said that she started it from her couch, her Finding Cooper's Voice page. And um, it was mainly just meant for her to channel her feelings and her thoughts and to, you know, just write it for herself. Did you start yours for the same, just to talk about being a mom in general, and then in case anyone could relate to your journey with Amos or what was no. your intention? <laughs> my, my intention was I was so scared of what was happening in my house and in my family. And it was like my whole world had was tumbling down a mountain and I had to save myself. And, and to me, not even save myself. I was so concerned and this sounds so terrible, but it's just the truth. I was so concerned that people were going to be talking about him and kind of whispering and wondering and, Oh, have you noticed Amos Wood? Like what's wrong with him that I just wanted to control the rhetoric. Yeah. I no, wanted, I get that. I wanted to put it out there so that nobody else could be talking about it. Cause if, if it came from me, then there was no mystery. Right. And yeah. so I did that, but then the other things happened that were great. Like people seemed to like it or people were reaching out and saying, boy, I felt the same way. And that kind of made me feel good. Like you're not alone. And then I was getting information like, have you thought about this or see Lori Overland, the motor speech person. So then I was getting useful information. Um, and then a, about a year or two in, I realized that I had joy and I really hadn't had joy. I'd been happy, but I, it had brought me so much joy and that had not been my intention. Um, and it was really that exact thing. I weigh 160 pounds. I, you know, feed my kids Fruit Loops for dinner. <laughs> All those things like that I would feel like dictated me suddenly didn't own me anymore because I released them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's probably why 300,000 plus people relate and follow you because you're not putting on a facade. I mean, most of social media, at least when I got onto it well after Skylar was a kid, um, it just made me feel bad about myself because these people all had it together. And I tried to portray that I had it all together, but secretly I'm crying at home. Like this isn't fair. This is not the life I wanted and all of that. And then I, I don't know. I feel like it's just people like you and, and Kate and everyone who's out here being so honest and so raw that's what resonates with people. That's what they want to see. And it's given people the opportunity to also open up and be honest about their lives. I mean, people are talking about poop now online and they wouldn't have been <laughs> 10 years ago in just right. all the drama that we have. And um, we can share so much resources and experience with each other. I, I love it. I'm glad that you did that and that you continue to write and do videos and stuff. It helps us yeah. all. Well, <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's been, it's been a good thing for me and it really does make you less. Um, I mean, you're definitely vulnerable, but I think at the same point, it's like, who cares about all this dumb crap? You know, I mean, it just mm -hmm. doesn't, I don't, I don't have any trouble going to Walgreens in my pajamas. I mean, what do I care? Yep. 
Well, and, and Amos understands what you're doing, right? I mean, cause he, there's plenty of times where he is in pictures or videos, like with his special Olympic stuff the other day. And he's so proud of himself. And I, I, I would assume that he is fine with what you post. Cause I get that question a lot since Skyler can't tell me right now. Um, no, I, I, I try to post minimal things about him. I wouldn't post anything embarrassing or him having right. a huge meltdown because, you know, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me, but right being that Amos can kind of give you consent on some things, I would think, does no. that come up or no? No, no, I don't, I don't think he could. I mean, you can ask him what he likes, but if you said like, do you want to go to school or stay home? He would choose home. I mean, um, you know, so no, he's never, my, my other children definitely do my typical children. Um, and so I do run stuff by them. And even I think, um, you know, when I started that conversation wasn't happening and now it is, I think mm -hmm. there's some things I shared about them when they were little that I probably wouldn't share now, you know, but I, so we live and learn. I don't think anything that I share about him, um, I've never had anybody criticize, criticize me and for that. And boy, they can criticize yeah. me for 800 things. But I, I like to think that it's more my story, you know, mm -hmm. and it's my feelings. And you now occasionally somebody will say, I remember years ago, I wrote about grieving this diagnosis, which is funny now, because I'm like now, like, well, I really wasn't grieving autism. I was grieving this really this genetic disorder, which includes autism, but I was grieving this different life. And they were like, well, you, you can't do that. And I think my explanation was you, you can't tell somebody else how they feel. Mm -hmm. Like you can, you can't tell me that I'm not, <laughs> that is something we cannot regulate. We cannot regulate how people feel and that it's okay to have those feelings. And I think we know that with typical kids, I think we can complain about our typical kids and be like, Oh my God, they're the biggest pain. And then, you know what, but we feel like if we say that about a child with special needs, it's like, well, we don't love them. So we better not say it. Right. Where I want to say it because I want people to know, like, you love your special needs kid, just like your other kids. But I think there's something in the human existence that like, we're protective of them because and let's be honest, a lot of people don't want them, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. who wins 95% of people with Down syndrome have been aborted, you know, so we live in a culture that does not value people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just the <clears throat> well, and I, I appreciate you always sharing, you know, both parts of your life with the other kids and Amos. It's not just autism or, you know, it's not just Amos focus. You share just anything and everything. And you're always very honest. I feel like, um, Kendall doesn't, my daughter doesn't let me post much cause she's in that age where she's like, Oh, you're not going to post that online. Are you? <laughs> but yeah. I always have felt like she's 18. Oh, she'll be 18 next week. Yeah. But I feel like I am two different moms and maybe you feel that way too. Like I am one way with her, like we're doing all this college shopping and getting ready for all that stuff. And Elmo, you know, Elmo's on the TV over here with Skylar and I have to feed him and plan his day and his showers and all of his stuff. I am literally two different moms, two different people. And that's what I maybe grieve isn't the right word, but that's the part I struggled with for a long time is how do I be a hundred percent for two people who need me completely differently. 
And how do I make enough time of myself to show up for both of them the way that they need me to? So, mm-hmm. I mean, did, did you go through that too? You know, I, I bet it's probably a little different with me, with Amos being the youngest, you know, he's nine. Like I'm, I was just thinking about Skylar being 20, like wondering what it would be like to have Amos be 20. And then now I'll just be taking this college journey with my 17 year old and how strange that must feel, you know, that you're just doing it now where mm-hmm. I, I'm still kind of going in the, the regular uh, air quotes order of things, right? Because Amos is the last one. Um, so it'll be curious. I think for me, it's going to show up more as, um, it, he goes to middle school or he goes to high school or he, is he going to do extended, you know, like it's going to happen later when mm-hmm. all his, all my friends with kids, his age, um, I notice it a little bit now, like they're playing travel ball and, you know, stuff like that. And we're, we're not, but I'm still so busy with the other ones. I don't, I don't feel like it as much. Um, mm-hmm. I would say I think one thing that has helped me a lot is realizing early on and hearing from siblings, typical siblings of special needs kids, adult siblings now, and hearing from them when their parents did the things right and when their parents not not in a negative way, but when yeah, their life was really could have been better. And I have really tried to pay attention to what I have learned and execute it in my own life. And mm-hmm. so one you'll see that we do a lot of is we leave Amos and do things with our typical kids pretty often. Um, or, you know, I went away for two weeks this summer with my big kids, went on a trip with my parents and left him with our, we have a care provider um, that we hired a few years ago full time. And, you know, we might not have new cars. We might not have all sorts of things, but we're going to have help. And she's paid for partly through, um, we're on the waiver wait list. And so I really like people to know about that, but I don't want my kids to be the one I had this mom reach out to me and she was my age. And she said a few years ago, we went to Alaska with my parents. Again, my big three, my husband stayed home with Amos and our caregiver. And, um, it was really hard. I never left him. And this was pretty early. And I was like, okay, I got to do this stuff. I don't want my kids to not know how important they are to me. Right. And this mom reached out after, and I got a lot of like, I can't believe you left, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this mom reached out and she said, you're never going to believe what I did with my mom on Friday night. We live in Charlotte, which is about seven hours from me. And my, my brother is 55. And my mother had never spent the night away from him. And on Friday night, we went on a girl's trip. And she said, if the debutante can go, so can I. Aww. <laughs> so, and here was, the, here was this adult child, my age, who was saying, thank you for letting me have a night with my mom. You know, and I, I think we really... My friend Carrie always talks about the importance of marriage. And I think that's great too. But I think we've got these other kids in our house for such a short amount of time. And we Mm -hmm. want them that they're loved and admired and respected. And if we have to leave, then we have to leave. I mean, if things are bad for a couple of days, they're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, so it's nice if you have 
help, you know, the caregiver part. I was just thinking about this this morning, actually, Kendall and I made her um, board with her pictures um, for her open house last night. We were making that. And I'm like, we definitely, my husband and I want to take her to move her in and get her, you know, situated with college without Skylar, because it's a distraction and he'll need his pull-ups changed and, you know, he'll be bored and all of that stuff. And, but we don't have anybody. So I'm having to start think now, but between right now, before August comes, like, who can I beg from his school, his autism center to maybe come over and watch him for the few days or, or for the few hours that we have to take her to school? Like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm trying so hard to separate those moments. I don't want him to, you know, essentially ruin that experience that she needs with her parents. And I want to be there for her and not be distracted by Skylar because I'm going to be a mess emotionally anyways, leaving her there. Right. But it's just, that's the stuff too. Like we have such good intentions to do things with our other children, but it's finding somebody to step in and, and watch them and know that they're going to know what they're doing. That's so hard for us. Well, you might need to let go of the part of know what they're doing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, in totally serious, like tonight, yeah go to this music festival and our caregiver is off tonight and I've got a teenager coming over and I'm like, you know what? It's going to be fine. Yeah. So did you ever have somebody for him like 10 years ago? We've never had respite his entire life and um, we don't have any family that lives here. So I am his paid respite provider at this moment. Have you put an ad out or done anything like that? What happens to us is we get Uh, we've been through several agencies, they come over once or they come over to meet him. And then we talk about the time that we, we really only need weekends, like just a few hours on the weekend that we really wanted someone to get to know him. They either can't work weekends all of a sudden, or they come and they, they visit one or they spend a couple hours with him once. And then they never are with him again. I don't know if it's because he's not toilet trained and they don't want to mess with that. They know that going into it. I mean, we don't hide it. It's just, we can't find anybody reliable. And then if we do find somebody that's good with them, they want like, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week to make it worthwhile to them. We just don't need someone because he's at school eight to four every day, um, Monday through Friday. So we just don't really have, you know, the need. Yeah. Well, I think though, at some point you might have to say, well, if somebody wants 10 hours a week, I'm going to, I'm going to work from school 10 hours a week because you're is getting someone used to him. So even if you don't need it, like when we hired our person, I remember I was like, this is going to be really expensive. I don't need it. But I was like, well, then I'm going to go work so I can pay for her to be there because we need her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if you can find somebody for 15 hours a week and you don't need 15 hours a week, it doesn't matter. You go work somewhere else. Yeah. Just so used to it. I mean, it's the, the process. And I'd love to to find a guy too, you know, like someone his age. So he feels like they're, they're pals, you know, like he doesn't have any friends. Um, And ironically, we just did a spelling lesson. We we've done it this week on um, spellers, like adult spellers and the uh, value of friendship. And he has been so attuned to it and um, is really loving it. And I'm like, oh God, he's telling me like, he's really into this lesson. And I'm like, I got to get him a friend. Right. He wants a friend. And use your blog, you know, I mean, who knows if it, it might not be a 
agency person, but it might be like our caregiver is a mom of three kids who just has a heart for special needs folks. Uh-huh. You know, so it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it could be just somebody out there that says, I'd love to do that. You know, anyway. Yeah. I'll have to go on the hunt. I even gone to the college and, um, you know, look for people who are studying special education or whatever and see if they want like an internship or something to, you know, to be with him. Right. But yeah, <laughs> it's a, cool. you might, I would beg people at school. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about I will, are we going to go to the potty? Are we going to do potty camp at Emory? Like I told you about, I, I I'm looking into it for sure. I mean, if they can help us, that would change our lives. Um, but with, I, because of what you're talking about, you know, yeah. suddenly you're potty trained, you can go to maybe a day program or at least have some options. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely something we're looking into. I appreciate you telling me about it. So <laughs> I'm going to contact them this podcast she's um she's but you know we can lecture each other because I think we I think special needs moms can lecture each other because we're not just some random out there like you can be like that is not going to work and you're not going to hurt my feelings I mean I have no lecture I just appreciate the suggestions that's one of the best things about starting this podcast four years ago I've learned something from every single guest seriously right. there you know if it's a little suggestion or if it's something I'd never heard of and now I'm getting you know, recommendations for um, assisted living facilities and things like that in other states. And so I'm like, all right, I'll call that yeah. too. Boy, I'm going to really need help with that. Yeah. Well, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm light okay. years ahead. So, <laughs> um, well, when we were together too, you were telling us a little bit about Amos and um, I know that he loves to read and you kind of shared with everybody the, the whole iPad situation and how that kind of left your lives, which has been a bonus, but what else does he love doing or does he like playing certain things? Does he like sports of any kind? Does he, what does he do in his makes him giggle and laugh and he loves kid. To play chase. playing chase is chase. Huge. <laughs> yeah. So he had um, a field trip yesterday with his exceptional children's class. And we went to like an indoor play place and he just had the best day, you know, before he didn't really play with other kids where now it's like, if you're going to go to the playground, either you're going to be running or he's, he wants somebody to play with, which is awesome. Yeah. But it, so we have a neighbor who's actually my godchild, who's about a year younger, and they, they have really been playing together a lot lately. And I think before it was more like they were kind of being nice to play with Amos because Amos, you know, gets, but now they genuinely, there's some reciprocity, you know, like, Amos will say, Ruffin, come back. And Ruffin's like, no, I'm not now. And I'm like, well, no, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to do something else. Like he's learning when you have a friend, you don't get to make all the decisions, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, more like a toddler. So he really enjoys kind of playing. He loves Legos. He likes watching Baby Einstein and Blippi for some insane reason. Blippi is way smarter than us, Lori. He picked up the right curve. And um, he loves traveling. That's probably his, his be all end all is to go on a trip and modes of transportation. I mean, he is as well behaved as they come if you're traveling. So, Aww. well, that's remarkable in itself. Jeez. I know he likes trains. He's been on a plane and a train and all the things. Oh yeah. That's all he wants to do, but he, he needs to like 
belonged to like an Arab sheik or something. Because um, <laughs> he's that's funny. That helicopter. I'm like, yeah, we don't have a helicopter. That would be nice. He has expensive travel taste. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's oh. crazy. Well, is school out for you guys? Probably at the at the release of this episode, it might be. But um, does do, do you have summer like plans? Does he need a schedule or is he just cool, you know, with relaxing on the boat and just kind of winging it in the summer? Or does that make him anxious? I think a schedule would be best for him, but we do not have one. We don't have extended school year here. Um, and I, I do think he's excited for a break. But, you know, I, usually by the week, you know, so the weekend's coming, right? By like Sunday afternoon, I'm like, when is school going back? Uh-huh. So I know that part. So he... This summer is a little bit different. And I think this is where, when you talk about juggling multiple children, this is, it's going to be tricky. And this, I don't, I don't know how you've done it without a caregiver. I really, (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) I mean, I really don't because I am one just working. Like my husband's job is not flexible either. So if I'm gone for, I guess you don't leave, you can't go. Right. Yeah. We, we, um, we trade off my husband and I do the same thing. I work from home though, and he is in the field. Um, and so we, I do hiring events. Um, I'm hiring reps, sales reps every six weeks, it seems like, and it just kind of works out usually that I can go and Josh doesn't have any meetings, but, um, there's times where we both have meetings. And if, if I got it on the calendar first, then I go and our bosses luckily understand Um, we, we, we're pretty lucky in that regard, but, but yeah, I mean, if he wins a trip or something like we've been to Ireland, we've been to Italy, all the trips that he's won. And that was when my ex-husband was part of the equation and had the kids off and on. It just worked out. Luckily that the trips were when the kids were at his house, but, um, now we can't, we just can't really go. There's no way. Right. Right. Well, there is Uh, a way I'm going to find a way. (laughs) I shouldn't say there's no way. <laughs> we're going to have very low expectations. <laughs> very low. Low. And we're just going to say, la, 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 la. It's going to be yeah. fine. Sit around right. watch TV. It's not a big deal. <laughs> um, but this, so this summer is going to be different for us. So we're going to see our, we're going to be kind of moving around a lot. And anyway. We'll Are see. there summer camps for him? that he would be able to attend or would be interested in? So, yes. Yeah, so we have one in Eastern North Carolina that's free and it's a full day camp, nine to five. And um, I mean, you could go through age 22 actually. So like your son would be able to go to, and you have a one-on-one, but, and he did it for a few years. Well, the last time we did it, he just was highly against going. And I don't think it was a bad experience. I think he just figured out that I was, doing all this fun stuff and he was at camp right so he why would you want to go to camp if you could be with your mother on the beach and at the pool with your brothers and sister you know like yeah I think clued into that so we kind of stopped doing that and we had a a teenage babysitter and I have not found one Um, and then we have our our nanny and caregiver so he's doing a couple of traditional camps and then we um He's, so he doesn't have much planned. We have not done spend the night camp. I'm not quite, I don't feel totally comfortable with that yet. Yeah. Just, you know, can't tell. So I get it when you're talking about Skylar, you know, just knowing if he comes home with a bruise, I never know how it happened. You know, you just, anyway, I'm not quite there. 
Mm-hmm. Now, but how old he, is your is your oldest son? Sorry to interrupt you. How old is your oldest? Seven, he's a junior. Okay. He's a junior. Yes. Yeah, so 17, 15, and 13. So my my middle two will have jobs this summer. And so that will involve driving them around, um, which will be fun because Amos really is not a fan of like, he loves a trip, but he doesn't like just riding in the car somewhere. So anyway. That's interesting because there's Skylar is, is one of the people who we have to like put him in the car. Like he's just gets cabin fever every Saturday. Like he's so sick oh, of he being here. Oh. oh, we drive around and there's so many parents that I've met and talked to that their kids do the same thing. Almost like when they were babies, like driving around to get them to sleep. Skylar just likes listening to the music. He likes 80s, 90s hip hop. And we just crank that and just drive to nowhere for hour. <laughs> need to get like an uber driver to be your caregiver for skylar yeah that would be great <laughs> i mean seriously you could like yeah. get anybody that's like oh i have three teenagers all i do is drive he can ride with me i mean no skin yeah. off me. i mean that's seriously if that's what he likes to do then so be it ride around yeah i need to put all of these things that he likes together and like like you said come up with a plan <laughs> oh gosh I just asked about their ages. I just wondered if he does well with like one of his siblings kind of keeping an eye on him. If you and your husband go out or something, if they're around. He, so my oldest will babysit and my, not the second one is not a, I mean, they will all do it if they're forced to, but the oldest and the youngest are probably particularly better with him. But now I also try not to, I don't, this is not, Amos is not theirs, you know, like I don't have yeah. this thing of, babysit so I asked my daughter tonight you know would you be interested in babysitting and she was like no I have plans well I know darn well she doesn't have plans she just doesn't want to babysit and I do, do you pay them yeah, yeah you do pay them <laughs> yeah I Kendall's figured I'm, never a bit. I'm giving them money anyway I might as well like get some credit for it you know well, that's funny well I think if Skyler didn't have the toileting issue extra added issue um I think Kendall maybe would have watched him now the only time she'll do it is if she doesn't have to work but if she if he's in bed already he goes to bed by choice about 6 6 30 and he is out I know and he was never a sleeper he was kind of like Amos when he was little for a long 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 time I don't know if it's his medications or what kind of helps you know give him the sleepy time and school wears him out so um she says you guys can go to dinner but I'll text you if, if he wakes up or anything happens, cause I'm not changing him and I'm, I'm I don't want her to, I mean, right, gross. Right. He's an old man. Right. Like that's, that's not cool. Right. But, um, right. so yeah, she'll just listen to see if, if he needs us or anything, but. Well, um, I, think, I think you could get, was it you and I talking at the thing that, um, I think it was you, you telling me that you had a friend whose son wasn't potty trained and then he like started in a residential program and she was like, yes. Tell that story. I thought it was so good. Yeah, it was actually one of the guests I had on the podcast. Her name's Michelle uh, O'Reilly, I believe is her last name. They're in Florida. And um, I'll have to look up that episode and tag it in here. But um, but yeah, he was 18. It was an emergency placement, actually, because he was his behaviors were quite um, violent to them. Um, and they placed him. And it's like five minutes from her house. It worked out great. And then she called him up about a couple months in to see if they needed supplies of pull-ups and, and wipes and things. And they said, no, we don't need any of that. And she was kind of shocked and they, and she tells the story on the podcast and she said they toilet trained him and he was using his AAC device to communicate that he needed that. And I'm like, Oh my 
my gosh, really? I mean, that's like a pro for <laughs> assisted living. If you get a good place, they probably just didn't want to mess with it. She's like, yeah, we don't, we don't need to deal with that here. He's, he's capable. So, right. Right. And do you think Skylar's? I think so. He, in the last few years has really shown irritation. Like he'll come grab my hand and walk me to the bathroom even after he pees like once, whereas before he would fill that pull up and then we'd kind of tap his bottom. That's how we always check him. And we're like, oh, buddy, you're full. Um, So now he's showing that he's irritated when he's wet at all. I've tried uh, every method known to man, but I think his Crohn's honestly is uh, part of the delay and part of the problem because I think his stomach hurts so much that it's painful and he doesn't understand that going to the bathroom isn't the painful part. It's just uh, your digestion and stuff. So I don't know. There's such, and we can't right. really communicate that with him. So yeah. Yeah. It's huh. a little bit of a disconnect still, but we'll get there. I'm confident we'll get there one day. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny. I remember when Amos was little thinking like one, I don't know if he's going to walk. And then two, yeah. is he going to potty train and potty training? I, I Not a week goes by that. I don't like marvel at the fact that he, goes to the bathroom I mean just yeah. because it really is a it's a game changer you know because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. he didn't speak until like really speak to you at all oh four four okay uh, about four and the potty training we did potty camp and then uh I was like I can't I mean I think it it's just ABA potty I mean it is it's just like you're training you're just it's just Tr totally like a dog you could train a dog to use the potty I mean it's how I think they did it and then but you have to work on it when you get home and then I was overwhelmed I'm sure with something so it really was he was about six when he became fully potty trained um and he was six so his bottom was cute like I don't know what you do with a 20 year old but he just it's not left. cute yeah he's <laughs> he was naked in the house and if he if he was naked then and you could catch him, you could, it was like, he would remember to go to the potty, you know, but if he had on underpants or a pull-up, he didn't, he would just go in his pants. Anyway. Um, yeah. Curious. Yeah. It's curious. a whole nother level when you have to shave his face and you have to, ma Josh manscapes uh, him a little. Cause I mean, you know, it's just, Oh, I just uh, want to give him some dignity back, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's big. That's, that's, mm -hmm. But, you know, I appreciate you talking about it because I think, I just think people probably feel so alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's, yeah, it's, um, I mean, not everybody can be toilet trained and it's the reality of it. So people shouldn't be ashamed. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about him by talking about that. I just want people to understand that that's another right. element of like, when we go out, Josh always takes him to the men's room. And if Josh isn't with us, I have to kind of, tell people ahead of time at a restaurant or whatever, like, you know, if anyone says anything, I, I need him to go with me in the men's or the women's bathroom and he's 20. Mm -hmm. And so we get looks sometimes, but I feel like the minute they see me kind of guiding him to the bathroom, it only takes a second. And then you realize, oh, he, you know, probably has some special needs or something. Um, Cause he doesn't, as everyone says, he doesn't look autistic. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't right. look like there's anything wrong with him, but you can tell right. that He's not a typical 20 year old. So, well, I take Amos, you know, to the women's bathroom with me mm -hmm. and like, I don't, 
he can go in on his own now if I'm out the door, but I don't feel comfortable with him going in the men's room alone. No, no, no. You know, I'd fight so anybody who gave me grief about that. <laughs> yeah. But he's still little, you know, and I'm aware that he's not always going to be little, you mm -hmm. know, I yeah. don't want people to think, oh, he, he's, we're going to let people that are cute have these exceptions. Like it's not about being cute or being little, like it's what right. you need. You know? um, mm -hmm. Yeah. For, and maybe forever. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, okay. that's okay. I think that's some of the letting them be their self themselves, you know, a little bit too. Like if we don't let them be themselves out in public or we don't take them in public, how can we expect the world to be nice if they don't know, you know, like mm -hmm. it's kind of feels like we have to let everybody have some exposure or they'll never learn. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So, um, well, one other thing I wanted to touch on really briefly with you, I know it's also not a brief conversation, but, um, you recently posted something about medication, um, with Amos and Kate and I've talked about this too, of just when you get to that place that either you let yourself off the hook with going the medication route. Cause I know a lot of parents have told me like, I just, I don't, I don't want to do that. We'll just go like natural remedies. We'll just figure out. Um, but then the minute they, they say that they caved, which I don't see it that way at all. Um, and I, their child is on an anxiety med or something, your life changes a lot of times for the better. Sometimes it's hard because you got to find the right one. And we've definitely right. gone those weeks where it's like helter skelter in our house because it was the wrong medication. Um, right. but did you, when did you kind of come to that conclusion that you wanted to go ahead and have him evaluated for maybe ADHD anxiety meds and how have, how has that process gone for you? Yeah. So I, you know, what you were saying earlier, like showing somebody in a meltdown, I, I, I showed a video of him having a meltdown, um, which I do not regret because I was desperate for help. And I just said, does anybody have any ideas? I don't know what to do. Right. And so this was, he would have these huge, you know, we think of tantrum or meltdown, you know, autism moms know, but fits crying, kicking, hitting his head. And there wasn't even anything like, it wasn't like, oh, you can't have a starburst or we're going to turn off the TV or you have to go take a bath. Like there was no precursor at all. And I didn't know what to do. I literally, it was just like having somebody, a rabid cat in your house, you know, and um, somebody reached out from Duke Autism Center and said, I think you need to come in and we can, you know, help you. And not in medicine or anything, just we didn't have a great, it's really hard to find a doctor. You get your diagnosis, but then who's your primary care? Mm -hmm. Your pediatrician, not great. We had a developmental pediatrician. I mean, the last thing I got from him was he didn't think anything was wrong with him. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. Or something. And, um, you know, one of one, anyway. So I made an appointment. And we went up there and I mean, I just kind of thought they're going to help with behavior. I mean, I was, I was game for anything, you know, and um, we saw Dr. Copeland, who is Amos's now pediatric psychiatrist. And he, they did all sorts of evaluations and we talked to people and we sat down and he said, you know, he held out this piece of paper that I had, he had asked me questions. And he said, so Amos has anxiety. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, well, that explains, you know, all these things he'd asked. And I said, well, 
I thought that was autism. He was like, no, no, what you're talking about is anxiety. And so that was really life-changing for me because what I thought was autism was anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so the, here's what we can do for it. We can do um, picture sketch. We went through like behavioral stuff and he said, and we can do medication. So there was never a part of me that it was like, I don't want to do that. I will say mm-hmm. that the word by psychotic was used and that still yeah. makes me cringe a little bit because I'm like, well, why does that sound so bad? Um, so we started right away on medicine and for sleeping because we know sleep. And um, so I, I've never had any shame or any, I was never somebody that like, I was never a judger anyway. Like if I had friends whose kids had ADD, I was like, give them the freaking medicine. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew my own background to know that these are real diseases and disorders. Like we need help. So it's never been a problem for me. I take Zoloft. I've always been super open about that. Um, I take weight loss medicine now. I mean, I, I just, again, think if we can help other people and, um, and I say to people all the time, like anxiety medicine made it so that he could, and the first day he went to school, I got a text from his teacher and it said, he sat with us for five minutes. He's never done that before. You know, and so if these are your goals, how do you help your child live in this world? Or now he went on a field trip yesterday and it was loud and people were running and he had a great time where before he would have been the child trying to get out the door because it was, it was too much sensory overload, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was four. <clears throat> You're right. It's been, a, it's, there've been some ups and downs with medicine stops working or does it cause a different effect than we want? Um, it feels like there's a lot of trial and error right now. I think he's started in some self-harm if he gets upset. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is the boosterone causing that? Do we need more boosterone? You know, it's it's exhausting, but it's better than where we were. Yeah. And, and I can say <clears throat> after doing this for so many years with him, and that's the industry my husband and I work in. So I always, I felt like when I would talk to physicians, I knew more than the average person, just because I read the PIs. I know, I know the half-life, I know a lot of the terminology and the stuff. Right. So I think what you said is so important though, that if you see any difference, positive, negative, anything at all, that's out, an outlier, you definitely bring it up to the physician and quick because some of these medications, while they help, I mean, it took me years to understand that what I thought was just a tick that Skylar developed, he would, um, kind of the right side of his body, he would kind of twerk it. And and I was like, what the hell? And, um, he did this weird thing where he looked like he was always, um, maybe trying to wet his lips. Like he would just, you know, like no one can see me, but you can, but like it was risperidone and it causes, it's called, um, um, oh shoot. Um, tardic kinesia and, um, yes. And that's, that's a major side effect of those medications. And so that's, so, he's, it's gone now, but it took a while to go away. Well, we were, he was on Lexapro and it was great for a year. And mm-hmm. then it started with this tick, this um, <gasps> breath tick. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. And his psychiatrist was like, that would be strange for it to show up after a year, but I'm with you. Let's try yeah. it. And it, 
And I mean, we had been hospitalized because they were like, does he have cyclical vomiting syndrome? Cause then he didn't up sick. I mean, it was, it was a yeah. real cluster. Um, and yeah, so, and I was like, well, he never had a tick before. So this, this hitting thing, I wonder if that's the boost brain. It might be one of the other ones. Skylar was on Vivance a few years ago. Oh my gosh. I don't even like posting pictures of him when I do like birthday ones of he was seven and I'll never forget. He looks like we starved him. I mean, he, he looks, he is beyond emaciated and it just, it ruined his appetite so much. He would mm. not eat. Um, and I mean, they're just a random things. It's, it's crazy to think about it when you go back and I was looking at pictures and when I was writing my book, I was going back through all of the stuff that we had done. I have files and files and files. I don't know why I saved everything, but I did. And, um, right. I just was like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have said something that was the medicine. And we have an incredible, um, psychiatric nurse practitioner now who's willing to try different things. Um, and she is all over it. And we just put him on lithium a okay. very low dose of lithium because we're at that point, I think. And that's, yep. that's really worked well, but you have to monitor that very closely because they can become toxic quickly. Um, so, well, uh, feeling, I think we're like, it's the SSRIs or what caused uh -huh. the ticks with him. Yes. And that's kind of where we are, but you know, now the antipsychotic, I'm like, well, it just is what it is. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. At four, maybe it sounded harder, but then the ADHD popped up because he said, well, now we've got the anxiety to calm down. He was always so worn out from these fits. Now he's got all this, you know, wild energy. Um, yeah. So it's, um, it's never dull around. No, I bet. That's the hard part too, because you're, you give them a medication for one thing and it sometimes it causes something else. It, like some of them cause them to not sleep or not eat. So then you have to balance that. And then before you know it, they're on a cocktail of a bunch of different things. And I mean, my goal in the long term would be to get rid of most of Skylar's meds, except for his Crohn's stuff that he needs. But in order to do that at this point, you have to, we'd literally have to hospitalize him and have a detox of everything being removed and then kind of see where we're at. And I just, I'm not willing to do that. So, well, let me tell you something. Don't let anybody take away my Zoloft. So I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know why you want to get rid of all the meds. I mean, you might as well just go ahead and like lock me in a closet if you're going to take that away. <laughs> yeah. He's just been on stuff so long that I'm like, is this even working anymore? And we've done that. We've bet we've backed off stuff, slowly right. titrated it off. And then he stops sleeping and he stops eating. And we're like, oh, it looks like a lanzapine was working. Okay. Then we slowly add it back. That's really the only way to know is if it's yes, beneficial. Yeah. Yes. I think we did that last. It feels like about every 18 months we do that again. And it's hell. So it my, is hell. I have a good friend whose son has autism, was diagnosed kind of later. And she was like, I might've been Vyvanse he's on. She was like, you know, we're just going to take a break from the medicine this summer. He's not going to school. Well, <laughs> on day. <laughs> How long on, did that last? <laughs> on day one of no medicine, he swallowed a quarter and they had to go and like, it got like stuck. They had to have like oh, a certain. Oh no. Well, oh, was laughing my ass off. I mean, she was like, I guess we're going to do the medicine. I mean, it was, you know, anyway, it's just funny that like no medicine one day impulsivity just pops right back up. You know, I'll just put this quarter in my mouth and take a swallow. I mean, 
anyway, it's, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn that it was working. Not funny, but funny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, with all things, I, I just so much appreciate your honesty online or otherwise. Um, and Skylar now, huh? Where's Skylar now? He's at school. He's at his autism center. He's at school. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. And how long are they there? Uh, till 22, hopefully, but he's running out of time. I mean, I'm already, I've posted several times about it. I'm already getting the, the conversations like, gosh, you know, I just don't know if there's much more we can do ABA wise. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. And insurance, the Medicaid especially cuts off at 22. There is no negotiation. We've had families that have sued here in the state and, and it, they'd lost. So they spent all that money on attorney's fees and suing and but they didn't win. That role right to be there until he's 22? Uh yes and no. I mean, some some agencies can kind of opt out and say, well, we've really done all we can. There's just they want the younger, cuter little ones to come in. And he's taken up a spot and they just don't feel that he's progressing much more. And they they've done all they can do. And you know, but it's a terrible, true. terrible attitude. This isn't through the public school system. No, no. He hasn't been to public school since he was seven. So he could go to public school till he was 22. I mean, probably not now because he hasn't been in the system. I even met with the high school a couple of years ago and they're like, well, you know, and they, I don't know. They just can't accommodate him. They don't have enough staff for one-on-one. It would just be a nightmare. And I I don't want to take him to a place he's never been for one, like one year. No, I'm not saying I would necessarily do it, but I would you could tell the public school you were going to do it. And then I bet they'd help you make sure you still had a spot at the other place. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you got to work the system. <laughs> All uh, yes, so, that's true. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, just, I like to kind of end, I know you, you've had 17 years of a parenting journey, but nine of it with Amos, but um, I guess kind of back to how we started with parenting neurotypical kids first, and then um, your parenting journey with Amos. Is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners about what you've maybe learned about yourself as a person, as a parent, um, or what, you know, maybe a piece of advice. I always hate to use the word advice, but like just a pearl you could give them about parenting either both neurotypical and a a child on the spectrum or just parenting a child on the spectrum in general that you've learned in the nine years of, of Amos life? (laughs) You know, I think that every day you start from scratch, you know, you have a new day tomorrow. And I think some days are really going to be hard and we can, and it's okay to feel all those feelings, you know, don't try to shrug them off because they're going to catch you. Um, so to me, feel the feelings. And if you need to cry or throw something, go on and do it. It's fine. Um, my husband, my husband, it's funny. If you asked him what I've learned is to, to take care of myself, you know, he'll say you're really good at self-preservation. I don't. And I've just realized like, if I am not okay, then this whole house is going to crumble. And so what needs to happen for that to happen is super important um, more than anything else. Um, And that could be, um, that could be a multitude of things. That could be that if you need your child to sleep with you so you can sleep, then go for it. If you, you know, like do what you need to do to survive. Um, 
and be easy on yourself. You know, just be easy on yourself. I have very low expectations and I, I've never really had high ones, but mine are really low. And I'm rarely disappointed because I generally expect like, well, that's, that's never going to work. Not in like a negative way, but I'm like, well, if we go to dinner and it doesn't work, we'll just leave. You know, like I always have sort of an exit strategy for whatever we're trying to do. And generally I can find something positive that happened, you know, like we sat at church and Amos didn't throw a book over the rail. Like that was good. You know, I mean, I just, I think, I think that's right. I think that's beautiful. Right. Yeah. Like it's, you just sort of have to give up on what perfection and success are. And it's so freeing to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. Or just redefine you know, them for, for, your... I have my, my, yeah, for anybody though. I mean, like the potty training, I mean, yes, we want to be potty trained, but it's not the be all end all. Like it doesn't mean that Skylar is more valuable if he's able to communicate or be potty trained, you know, like a person's value is in, you you're that person you know Mm -hmm. and you're valuable maybe we just meet somebody where they are you know it's just Mm -hmm. it's always hard like I want to be the best version of himself and I think with our other typically developing kids you can that's easier to navigate that process than this because I really have no idea what the best version of himself is Mm -hmm. yeah other than what we've created in our minds, like, you know, what we hope for and, and want for that's one of my hopes with spelling. I hope I'm nervous about what he's going to say to me someday. Like, okay, (laughs) you got this way wrong. I hate cheeseburgers. I don't know why you keep taking me every Saturday for a cheeseburger. I hate them. Right. But anyway, um, I hope he can say to me like, mom, you know, don't give up. I want, I want to use the bathroom. I just, I'm scared and I don't know how. So, I mean, there's been plenty of spellers who have, have said those same things to their parents. Like, you know, I know that my skin is super chapped in the winter and it hurts me and the lotion, I fight you every time, but just keep pursuing it. Like, don't, don't let me fight you off. I need the lotion. I know I need it. So, um, just, just work with me and be patient. So I'm hopeful that he's going to tell me all that I need to know soon enough. Right. 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 Yeah. That's, I'd love to know more about that spelling thing is so interesting. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've heard it's great. Yeah. And it should hopefully be out on YouTube soon. I would think it would help with behavior issues too. Right. Yeah. It frees up a lot of frustration that they're sitting on that they can't explain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Amos, like he was about two and we had the iPad and the speech therapist would program it. And he wasn't talking at that point, but he could, he could hit the buttons himself. And he said, I want to go downstairs and play trains with daddy. Oh, didn't even say train, but he could hit the buttons on that computer and tell you, you know, right away what he wanted to do, which was really nice. Anyway, they're pretty really remarkable nice. people. <laughs> yes, that is the truth. Well, well, thank you so very much for taking time to talk to me and, um, you know, I, I just, I enjoy talking to you. I'm just, I can't say enough how glad I am that we actually met in, for, in real time and in person. And um, you're definitely a new friend of mine. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> well, me too. And I'm, you let me know if you end up putting up a thing and you're trying to find a care provider, I'll share it on my page. Okay. We can certainly 
someone. We got, we can, we're going to find somebody so I can prove myself right. <laughs> Cause that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you so much. Right. I'm rarely <laughs> right. I need something. <laughs> Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Oh, see Lori. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.